Father, we just come to you, Lord. We surrender ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. We pray, Father, that you speak to us. You teach us. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Fill us with your spirit. That we may be led by your spirit. That we may walk in your spirit. We may magnify your word above everything in our lives. For you have magnified your word above all your name. And help us to do the same, Lord, that Christ Jesus will have preeminence in all things. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We turn first to the most well-known words in the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We see God gave his son. Jesus was the gift of the Father to all of mankind to save anyone and everyone who would believe in him. We turn now to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father and the Son to all those who believed in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. And the Holy Spirit, indwelling Holy Spirit, would save them and would dwell in them and would save them to the uttermost. Most, if not all the trouble in the world, is because the world refuses to receive Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 puts it this way. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. God's solution for all of mankind's trouble, problems, issues, is his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the issue with the world. They refuse to receive the son. Most of the trouble, or all the trouble, believers face is because they refuse the spirit of God to control their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. Let us say liberty to liberty. 
just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So you see these two things. God has given His Son to all of mankind's problems. And those who have received the Son for the remission of their sons, of their sins, the Father and the Son gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. The more we give Lordship to the Holy Spirit, more He is able to lead us in from liberty to liberty. Last night we saw that just a page from the early church, the apostolic church, how the Holy Spirit led the church in everything. Over the centuries, past 2000 years, both the Son of God and the Holy Spirit lost their position in the church and were substituted by religion called Christianity. And we were all part of it. I know I was part of it before I came to know the Lord personally. We were all part of it. But that religion in which I walked called Christianity, Catholicism, whatever you want to call it, it had nothing to do with God. It was just outward religion. So tonight, maybe starting tonight for some time, I want both the old and the new believers to focus on the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Third does not mean third in order or position. Second person of the Trinity does not mean second in order or position. Okay, because Jesus, Philippians 2 says, is equal to God. The Holy Spirit is equal. The three are equal. But when we mention third, it's because how they themselves put themselves in an order which they decided among themselves, which does not make them unequal to each other. Because of the many titles given to the Holy Spirit, like Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of Truth, Spirit of Grace, Spirit of Christ, so many titles, it has given rise to an unbiblical view of God and Son and the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit found in the Father and the Son does not exist independently as a person because of the titles that is given to him. Other expressions used to denote the Holy Spirit has like dove, oil, water, wind, fire, made some to again decide he was not a person. But those were only symbols explaining the work of the Holy Spirit. It was similar to, to Jesus saying he was the door or the gate or the way. Nobody will say that he's actually a door or a gate or a trodden path. They know he's a person. But expressing the work he does, the Bible uses terms like door, gate or the way in the same way about the Holy Spirit. So before we can look into the person of the Holy Spirit, I want us to look at the doctrine of Trinity. The unity of God, or what we say, the composite unity of God. This one fundamental question which has been there for not 2,000 years, centuries from the time God called Abraham and then the law came to Moses, through Moses. How can God be one and yet exist as three persons? True, it is beyond our finite minds to explain or to understand the infinite God. It's beyond. 
Yet what our finite minds can understand from the revelations given in the Bible, that's what we will pursue. Okay? And uh, illustrations we give. How can the sun that is up there millions of miles away be both the light I see and the heat I feel? And we know it is true. The sun is both the light and the heat. And you cannot separate one from the other, yet it can be separated one from the other. Yet three are one, yet exists differently. First we look at the what we call the unity of God as one. Deuteronomy 6.4, Isaiah 43.10, and Isaiah 45.21. Deuteronomy 6.4 is the most important verse for a Hebrew. That's how he begins his recitation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, the video stopped. Is it back again? Okay, because I had just one from U.S. saying it is stopped. Okay. Uh, Isaiah 43.10 You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall be there be after me. Isaiah 45.21 Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from the that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me. A just God, a Savior, there is none besides me. So when you look at verses like that, it looks as God is only one. The unity of God as a person. But now, with this, we have to look at the plurality of God, how God is one but exists as more than one or as three persons. When you use that term one, okati, right? One. There are two words in Hebrews. That's why I wrote this out. Okay. Thou shall not fall. Okay. Oh, this will fall, so I'll hold it. Okay. One is, I don't speak Telugu, uh, sorry, I don't speak Hebrew, but one is Yakid, and the other is Ikhad. Echad, so that's the Hebrew man over there. Echad and Yakid. Okay, okay, so I'm keeping it over there so that you will see. YouTube buffering in between, they're saying, okay? It's back, okay. Yakid and Echad. Both mean one, but they don't denote the same. They do not mean the same, though they are both used as one. The first one which you see over there, Yaqid, means absolute singleness, leaving no room for any meaning other than one and one only. And you will see that term, Yaqid, is never used with God anywhere in the Bible. Okay. The other one, uh, how, is, how do you pronounce it? Ehad means two or many, or many, two or many, 
who make one. Okay, please remember. First one, Yaqid, is single. Only one is never mentioned with God anywhere in the Bible. With God, it is the second one that is mentioned. Ikhad. Okay, I will use my pronunciation. I will have to ask Pastor Vijay each time. Okay, let's look at the one Yaqid in the Bible, used in the Bible. Genesis 22, 2. I wish we had the Jewish Orthodox. For those who are listening, new believers and older believers, there is something on internet you will find called Bible Gateway. If you go to Bible Gateway, you can type out the verses you want. It will open. And if you look at options, there are different uh, versions available. And you can also open four, five, up to five to six tabs you can open in a single page and pick your different translations. Good way to study. And in one of the options, you will say Jewish Orthodox Bible which will give you the Hebrew words. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. And it is Yaqid. It is Yaqid. Your only son, Isaac. If you come to the same chapter and verse 12, you will see, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from him. It does not use the second word. It uses the first words, only son. I'm just giving you three examples. If you go to Judges chapter 11, verse 23, remember that judge, when he comes back in his great joy of victory, he says, the first one that comes out of the town, I will offer. Uh, no. 33, 33, you know, I will offer as a sacrifice and the one that comes out is his only child. Okay, after that, you know, where did I get it wrong? Yeah, Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah and there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing and she was his only child. In every one of these places, you will see the Bible does not use the word Ekhad. It uses the word Yaqib. Now, let us look at example where again, one is denoted, which means one in composite and not singularity. Let's go first to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. In Hebrew it means the morning and the evening is the part of one day. Evening and the morning. One day has two parts, but it is one day. The evening and the morning, though they are separate, the night and the day, the light part are separate, but they together make one day. Two becoming one. In Genesis 2.24, again the same usage. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, wife and they shall become one flesh. Basar ikhad, it says. Meaning that they are two, but they are one. Composite. Yet two. Okay. So you will realize, in the famous Shema which we read, Deuteronomy 6.4, O hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is not Yaqid. It's Ehad. It's not Yaqid. It's Ehad. It's one. 
That's the most important line for a Hebrew kid when you study to recite. The Lord our God, the Lord is not singular, rati, but composite in one. And this composite, one in three, is seen in the Great Commission. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, you look at it when Jesus sends his disciples, therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Three people, one name. Doesn't say names. Doesn't say names. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's, it's like we know. When, when we, when we, when the, let's say about Hebrews, or when God came and changed their names also, the names signified something about them. So, the name of God is the one, because in essence the three are one. So they have only one name. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three, one name. Then God speaks, let us see. When God speaks of creation, these are things which have troubled Jewish scholars for centuries, especially after Christ came into the picture and Christianity began. They have troubled by, not the new covenant, they are not troubled by the new covenant, they are troubled by the old covenant, because it suddenly shows them as to what is here. So they beat their head against the wall with this. And let's turn to Isaiah chapter 48. God is talking about creation. Verse 12 and 13. Okay. Listen to me, O Jacob. Israel my call. I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth. My hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. So it's actually talking about Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens. Even there, it's very clear. God created the heavens and the earth. The 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 what you call it, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters and God speaks and John 1, when it says in the beginning God created the, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with the Lord and the Word was but they don't want to look into the new covenant at all, they refuse that but so in the God wants us to be absolutely certain about this that he is not speaking about Isaiah, he's speaking about himself okay I'm not talking about Isaiah, I'm talking about myself. Now turn to verse 15. Yeah, 1-5. I even, I have spoken, yes, I have called him, I brought him, his way will prosper. Now come to verse 16. Come near me, hear this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, I was there, and now the Lord and his spirit have sent me. This is three people. This is problematic for the Jewish scholar. Okay? But he says, I'm very clear. I'm not talking about Isaiah. He's not the third person here. It is I, my spirit, and my son. I was there, and now the Lord and his spirit have sent me. Okay? So, Old Testament, what was hidden, is revealed very clearly in the New Covenant, because when Jesus comes, it's the revelation coming. Okay, but it's all there in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a shadow. The substance is Jesus Christ. So, 
the Jewish rabbis really are troubled by all this because it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Father and the Spirit send the Son. It's problematic. God exists as three persons, distinct yet one. Let's turn to now to the New Covenant, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. We know the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was in the beginning. So the Word we know is Jesus, because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and then he takes a name in the flesh with his Yeshua, denoting his work. So all three were there in the beginning. And all three are there till we'll be at the end. Through it all, all three are there. Okay, so please understand this singular view of God and the composite view of God because Muslims also struggle with this. That is why they struggle, they struggle with Jesus. How can God have a son? For in that Allah is only one. How can God exist as more than one? But God is one. But they exist as three different persons. So let us go to the third person of the Trinity, not third in terms of anything else, but mentioning as the third. The Holy Spirit. The three main attributes of God. God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. And God is omniscient, meaning he is present everywhere. He is all-powerful. And he is all knowing. Psalm 139 and verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So he is everywhere. The Holy Spirit has that attribute of God. The same attribute we commit to God, he has it. So he is God. He is present Everywhere. Zechariah 4 and verse 6. It is not by might. He answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God says, My spirit is all powerful. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. 2, 10 and 11. The Lord has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So he is also omniscient. He knows all things. So he is present everywhere, all powerful and knows everything. So please understand, we are looking at the Holy Spirit because all the troubles of the believer is connected with the Spirit of God. When Jesus came as God's plan for man's redemption, the entire work was executed by the Holy Spirit. From the beginning till the end. Luke chapter 1 verses 34 to 35. The beginning. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Answer of the angel. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, 
also the holy one who is to be born will be called the son of god okay says the birthing of jesus christ will be supernatural it will be done by the holy spirit okay so he's born of the spirit okay he is the word that becomes flesh is born of the spirit through the virgin mary and then we don't see him for a long time when he, when he appears in public not at the age of 12 at the age of 30 we see luke chapter 3 verses 21 and 22 when all the people were baptized it came to pass jesus also was baptized and when he prayed the heaven was opened and the holy spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said you are my beloved son in you i am well pleased there itself we see the trinity in action the father speaking the holy spirit descending upon the son but the holy spirit comes upon him in power okay fills him with the holy spirit then you will see the work begins we see his public life luke chapter 4 and verse 1 Jesus being filled with the holy spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness why is this so important because remember it's the life of Jesus Christ that saves us the death of Jesus Christ saves us from the penalty of sin okay the resurrection of Jesus Christ saves us from the power of death and the life of Jesus Christ saves us from the power of sin okay there are three parts of his life but you will see everything was executed by the holy spirit his life is our pattern he was born of the spirit we are also born of the spirit he was filled with the spirit and is being led by the spirit and then he is tempted and is able to win every trial every testing he faces from the big guy that is the devil himself because of the holy spirit and look chapter 4 and verse 14 Jesus returned after his testing in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee and then you will see his entire ministry is by and through the Holy Spirit even the atonement genesis chapter 9 sorry hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14 even the atonement work of Jesus Christ how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god okay he lived successfully without spot and then when he died also he offered himself through the spirit to god okay cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living god this is the words actually i was looking for yesterday okay because in the old covenant your conscience was never cleansed from dead works only in the new covenant you were even your conscience is cleaned by the blood of jesus and the spirit of god from every dead work you have no guilt about it it's gone it's finished it's taken away you can live guilt free okay so now if you go to romans chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 we will see it is the spirit of god which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son jesus christ our lord who was born of the seed of david according to the flesh and declared to be the son of god with power according to the spirit of holiness okay son of david by the flesh because both mary and joseph come from the same line davidic line so mary is also davidic line and joseph is also davidic line declared to be the son of god with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead so remember it's the spirit of god which is doing all the work Romans 8:11 when he died 
the resurrection part also. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Who raised Jesus from the dead? It was the Holy Spirit. So please remember, the Holy Spirit is a real person. And is as important in our life as the Father and the Son. And he's sadly the most neglected person within the church. Either he is made into what he is not like. Or he is made it into a doctrine or a force or a power and not a person. And that is where most of our struggles come. Because we do not realize Jesus received the Holy Spirit as a person. And allowed the person to speak to him. To fill him with power and lead him day by day by day. Everything Jesus did was done by and through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. Romans 8.27 Let us look at Holy Spirit as a person. 8.27 He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Let me tell you, he has a mind of his own. If Christ had a mind of his own, has a mind of his own, and the Father has a mind of his own, the Holy Spirit has a mind of his own. So he's a person. Because force doesn't have a mind. The the people manning Ramagundam, thermal plant, have minds. But electricity doesn't have a mind. If it's a force, the force doesn't have a mind. It's neutral. It doesn't have any mind. Somebody with a mind has to operate it. The Holy Spirit has a mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he has got a will of his own. The Father and the Son doesn't interfere with it. They are one. Okay, He's got a will of his own. He's got a mind of his own. He's got a will of his own. Ephesians 4.30 Remember when Noah's time, God was grieved in his heart. Oh, 3030, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's, he's got feelings. He's got emotions. He can't be, he can be hurt. Like God was hurt, grieved. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He's got emotions. Acts 5.3. <coughs> Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You cannot lie to a power. You can only lie to a person. You can only lie to a person. You cannot lie to a power. Holy Spirit is a person because you can only lie to a person. Hebrews 10 and verse 29. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing? See, the blood is sanctified is a common thing. It's used the term as something. Okay? And insulted the spirit of grace. You trampled the Son of God underfoot. Person. You insulted the spirit. Only a person can be insulted. You cannot insult a force. So, just looking at five characteristics alone of what an individual has. He has a mind, he has will, he has feelings. You can lie to him, you can insult him. When we believe in the work of Jesus Christ, what Jesus actually did, when we repent and believe, actually, believe, 
John 3 and verse 5 says, We are birthed by the most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, that is the word of God, okay, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, the work actually is begun by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing that work based on the work Jesus Christ has done. They all do their own work. The Father has his work, the Son has his work, and the Spirit has his work. They have different works which they do, but they are one in essence. They are absolutely unified in the purpose in which they work. There is no disunity among them. Okay. So, the work which Jesus Christ did, when I believe on it, the Holy Spirit begins the work. And the entire work of salvation, after that, from the beginning till the end, is done by the Holy Spirit. If you look at Titus, chapter 3 and verse 5. Not by work of righteousness, which we have done, according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That The regeneration and the renewing, both was done by the Holy Spirit. Okay, That's why Peter said, if you believe, you will get the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's God's gift, like son was his gift. Okay, So when you look at the word gift, it does not uh, mean it is a thing. We don't talk about Jesus is God's gift to mankind as a thing. We talk about as a person. We are talking about the work of Jesus Christ in our life. The disciples' transformation, regeneration, began in the upper room after Jesus rose again. We know it. A lot of people confuse this. John chapter 20, 19 to 20. I'm talking actually, meaning what I'm saying is that even some of the best theologians who have ever lived and still living stumble over these verses. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, this is the night he, after he rose from the dead, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. How did the Father send him? He was born of the Spirit. The Father and the Spirit sent me. Remember Isaiah's words? And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So, the church is beginning. The first set of people, God actually breathes upon the leadership first. The apostles who are gathered over there. And that's how they begin. He breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And once they have received the Holy Spirit, that's what the Bible is talking about. They have been born of the Spirit. They are born of the Spirit. They now have entered into the kingdom. Spiritually, they understand because the Spirit has begun the work in them. Then if you look chronologically, if you look in the order, Luke 24.45 is after John 20.21. 20, 24.45. Luke 24.45. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Okay, Meaning this is all after resurrection. Though he taught them for three and a half years, he knew they wouldn't understand it. So he is not angry with people who sit in church who are not born again if they don't understand. Because he says, don't worry, even my disciples with whom I walked did not understand. Because you cannot understand unless you are born by the Spirit. You cannot understand. You can understand with your mental capacity, with the wisdom, the knowledge, with your skills and all. You can, But that's not understanding. That is not knowing. 
Now he's opening up their minds, understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures in terms of something that is real, a place. As a place. It's a real place. The kingdom of God is a real place. Christ Jesus is an eternal person. Why could they understand? Because of the spirit in them. Then in Luke 24 and verse 49 and then Acts 1, 5 and 8, he tells them something. Remember, this is after breathing upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. He says, hey, wait, okay? Wait. They have received the Holy Spirit. Their minds have been opened. They understand the scripture now really, really well. All that he taught is falling into place in their minds now. But he says, wait, don't go. Don't go. This is not the whole thing. You will be filled with my spirit. You will be endured with power. And then what will it be? You will be able to live the way I lived. See, as far as they know his life, they only know his life from the day he came out in the public. We only know that. And they have seen his life that he doesn't even blink. Meaning, no sin, no trace, nothing. How did you live? How could you minister under so much pressure and the pressure never gets into you? And he's telling them same way. Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember, John had said, I baptize you with water. The one who comes after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he had said, he said, yes, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized. Very soon, he says, and you shall receive power. When that happens, what happens? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is where the church divides into two. The believing church divides into two. Because they take John 20 experience and Acts 1 and make it into one. And say so this is one and the same. It can happen at the same time. But it is not the same. And their major issue with tongues is, as long as you don't say tongues is the evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, they don't have issues. But the minute you say that being baptized in the Holy Spirit has evidence, then they have issues. Because if baptism in the Holy Spirit has evidence, and you don't have that evidence, then how do you justify your ministry? How do you justify your teaching? It's an issue over there. You need to understand where it comes from. And what happened with the apostles, okay, the pattern, if you look at the apostles, what happened with them, God breathed upon them on the day he rose from the dead. And the Holy Spirit comes 50 days, let's say 50 day gap between these two things. With Jesus Christ, there is a 30 year gap between these two things. He was born of the Spirit, but because he was born of the Spirit from childhood, he was filled with the Spirit. He never went in his own will. But for ministry, he was empowered by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a 30 year gap in Jesus Christ between these two. And for the apostles, there is a 50-day gap. Okay, there's a gap. So you have to understand. There needn't be a gap. A lot of people that got saved and filled at the same time. It happens. Okay. But the fact is, first you have to accept 
these are two fundamental different experiences, distinct experiences. Otherwise, what will happen? You will get stuck over this. This was supposed to be the difference. But the problem is for so many people, Holy Spirit is just a doctrine, not a person. Even that's where Pentecostals go wrong. There are extreme Pentecostals who forget this is not a doctrine. This is not a power which you use, which is just a gift, not the person. You could use a gift like I could buy a bike for my son and gift it to him. And he could really abuse it. And the person who gifted is really upset of the way you have used the bike. And I looked, but I, but I gave it to him. It's his. But that doesn't mean I'm not upset. And I said, what are you doing with the bike? This is not the way you're supposed to use it. Because it's a gift and there is a person. And sometimes we don't realize people are abusing gifts and the person is very, very grieved. And often the gift is not taken away because he said the calling and the gifts are irrevocable. Like, you give your child a birthday gift, you never take it away. You disapprove of it, you are upset with it, but you know you gave it as a birthday gift and you don't take it away. Okay, so please understand the difference. Have listen carefully to Jesus' words. The disciples had left everything to follow him. He lived with them practically day and night, three and a half years. He taught them. He took care of them. And everything they learned, they learned from him. That is what actually John is telling in 1 John 1. one. He's talking about that, their experience with the living Jesus. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. They are talking about, of course, they are first-hand witnesses, been there. Then what happens is, they were really scared. You can understand it. When he actually started saying that he had to go. And go and die. That was even more scary. <laughs> you see, you leave everything to follow a person, and after three and a half years, the person says, I'm leaving. And they, <laughs> they're not even born again. They haven't received the Holy Spirit. And they're like, petrified, if you go, what will we do? You have to understand their fear. It's very real, natural fear. Like children, right? No? Daddy is going, don't go! Listen to how he consoles them. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 10. Now, we read this, but look in a different perspective at all, completely, as what Jesus is actually telling them. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Okay, he says, you know what? I will pray to Dad, to the Father. And you know, he will give you another helper. Who am I to you? Your help. I have helped you all this while. You never had to fear. You never went hungry. Even when you went to ministry, you didn't struggle because I anointed you and sent you. And you had no issues at all. Even though you had a hostile nation, you didn't face anything because I was your helper. I was there helping you through it all. Now, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper. And you know what? He will abide with you forever. He may, not he will. 
because it's a person. It's not a horse. If you mess with him, he will leave. He may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells, dwells with you. You know him. You know him, right? He dwells with you. How do you know him? Because you have seen him in Jesus. And now, wait. A little later, he will be in you. In you too. If you go to John chapter 16, and verses 5 to 7, Look at what he's saying. Now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are you going. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage I go away. And they can't even figure out how can it be our advantage that you go away. He says, because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. He cannot come to you. He cannot. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He's talking about a person. not talking about any force. He's talking about a person. He says, but it's really, really good for you that I go. I go. Basically, he's telling them, you know what? You can't be like me. You know, though I am with you, I'm not with you all the time. When you wake up in the morning, you never see me. Then you have to come searching for me. Right? Some days you go home and then you realize I'm not with you. I am somewhere else. Right? But you want to be like me. Right? You want to be unflappable like me. You know why I'm unflappable? It's because who lives in me. So actually let me tell you, it's your advantage that I go away because once I go, I can send him. I can't send him without going. I can't send him without going. Once I go, when I work is all over, then the father and I will Sent you to him. Because hidden in Jesus' words was the secret of his life. He had done everything through the Holy Spirit. He was birthed by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He put to death the works of the flesh by the Spirit. He offered himself in death by and through the Spirit. And he was resurrected by the Spirit. Now when he rose again, who now he is the first born of many, rose again in the resurrection body, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, again gives us a pattern. From the account I made, O Theophilus, that all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, though he has come in the body, he is telling, you know what? I'll teach you through my spirit. He's still teaching through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Still speaking through the Holy Spirit. And now, he goes, the Holy Spirit comes, the church begins, and the book of Acts is not the Acts of the Apostles, it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's how it should be written. Because if it was the Acts of the Apostles, we don't hear most of the apostles in the book of Acts. Where are they? Where are they? Where are the apostles? I don't see, I see two apostles, Peter and John. Then the other nine are missing there. And then somebody else come in chapter 9 and after that he is not even in the original group. It's all about him. So, where? how is the Acts of the apostles? It seems to be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. So, 
the holy spirit then works through different 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 people speaks through different people they write letters through different people and finally the canon is closed with the book of revelation in the book of revelation you see jesus and jesus visits seven churches we see jesus we see angelic beings all the twenty elders multitudes all kind of visions and these things are all there and jesus actually speaks to seven churches but in reality in revelation 27 and 211 we'll just look at two he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches he does not say you need to hear what i have taught you or what the father says 211 he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches seven times he repeats the same thing it's interesting right he's speaking in vision to john but the warning to the church and to john and to everybody is that everybody who's got a ear please listen to what my spirit says my father and i have sent the spirit all those who have ears let them hear what the spirit says and in the final church the most insipid lukewarm church revelation 3:21 to that church also he says something to him who overcomes i will grant to sit with me on my throne he says you need to overcome if you overcome you can sit with me on top and then he put something over there as i also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne so there is a clue over there how did he overcome through the spirit listen very carefully to what my spirit says if you do and obey you can overcome exactly as i overcame and you can sit with me rule with me he said i didn't use any other means how did i overcome by the spirit how can you overcome through the same spirit it's not a different spirit that has been given it is the same spirit as i overcame so the question is how did he overcome what did he overcome he overcame the flesh he overcame the flesh he was tempted at all points and he did not sin he overcame the devil he overcame the world he says the ruler of this world has come he found absolutely nothing in he overcame the devil he overcame the world he overcame the flesh how through the spirit that is why the warnings in the new covenant ephesians 4:30 ephesians 4:30 do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption Okay, you know what a seal is. It is not talking about a seal as a seal. What the seal does is it leaves an imprint. That is how you know it is a seal. I remember in the old days when we went on vacation, you know, from Bhutan, when we went on vacation, the final day, my father would lock up all the whole school, everything, and we had wax, and over all the lock, he will put a cotton kind of a cotton th- um, little piece. and then tie it up and he will melt my job was to hold the candle who melt that red wax comes from the garment and he's got a seal a brass kind of a seal which is given and he seals it 
Now, anybody breaks the seal, he has broken the command of the king. Though it's done by an Indian. But the seal is an imprint which leaves a mark over there which says the authority of the king. You break the seal, you will have to contend with the king. And everything follows down under. So there is a seal. You are sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Put an imprint. Okay. What's my guarantee? What is our guarantee? The only Holy Spirit. Nothing else. Nothing else. It is not the word I know. It is not all my ministry. It is not all the works. It is not all the preachers. None of them have any meaning. The only guarantee is the Holy Spirit. And God says, don't grieve him. Don't grieve my Holy Spirit. Don't grieve my Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. No, we can lie to almost anybody and get away with it. Almost anybody. Except the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you can never lie. And if you are a successful liar, if you think with the Holy Spirit, that also means the Holy Spirit has left. If your conscience doesn't trouble you anymore, that means the Spirit of God has left. Doesn't trouble you anymore. It's gone. Okay. Please understand. You can lie to anybody, everybody, get away with it except the Spirit of God. Acts 5 9. How is that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of God? You can test the Spirit of God. You can test Him. You can push Him. You can test Him. Lying is one thing. Testing is one thing. We tell our children, don't test my patience. You can test the Holy Spirit. And the devil was actually tempting Jesus to test God. You know, every temptation is basically testing the Holy Spirit. Like we say, some people live on that narrow edge. Narrow edge. The Holy Spirit says, move on. Why don't you move on to the safe? No, I can't handle it. I can handle it. We are testing the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's okay. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to read the Bible every day. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do any of those things. I can still be saved. God says, you are testing me. You are testing me. Lot of people test the Holy Spirit. This is a very extreme case where we are visibly see. But that's not the point. The point is that we test the Holy Spirit. And we have to be very, very careful about it because as long as you think about the Holy Spirit as a force, you shall receive power and our eyes are focused on TV and YouTube of all people falling and this thing. We think the Holy Spirit is actually power and not a person. Okay. And we confuse the person. The Bible is very, very careful. It says be very, very careful about 
that person. And uh, the warning we saw in Hebrews 10.29, right? Yeah. What's about the person? Yes. And insulted the spirit of what? How are we saved? And what happens if you insult the spirit of grace? Where does your grace come from? How are you saved? Grace is the power of a particular person. Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. What that is mean? He was filled by the spirit and the spirit was the spirit of grace and the spirit of truth. Filled. How did he grow? fill himself in that? By submitting daily, constantly to the Holy Spirit. That's how he filled himself. Constant. It is a constant thing every day. First Thessalonians chapter five nineteen. Do not quench the spirit. Now, when you use that word quench, it, it, it looks like an inanimate thing. But it's not. You know what it means in terms of a person? It stops speaking to you. That's what it means. Quench. Do not quench the spirit. Stop speaking. He withdraws. He's silent. He's silent. And that's that's David's cry. His spirit has been silent. Spirit has been silent. Ramba, after 16 months in the Philistine territory, when he asked that the spirit immediately speaks. The spirit who spoke through all those people, they were just vessels. But what if the spirit, you remember Saul on the other hand tried every method under the sky and the spirit refuses to speak. He has insulted the spirit of grace. The spirit has been quenched. The spirit refused to speak. Where does he go? To his death and to his end. No answer. So God says, don't quench my spirit. Instead, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. What we are recommended. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with this. Why did he put these two together? Because what happens when you get drunk with wine? What controls your mind? Alcohol. What happens when you are filled with the spirit? Who controls your life? Spirit. That's that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Okay, everything. Because chapter 5 of Ephesians, okay, 1, 2, 3, 4 is setting forth different, different, different premises. And then 5 is setting everything into order. And 5.18 he begins. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Have you noticed? I mean, honestly, have you noticed? Sometimes we meet believers and we think they have no problems, but when you find out they have more problems and more tension than anybody else, but they are always joyful. You know why? Because it's a result of something that has filled them inside. And that pushes all the problems outside. And God will test. God will test. That's why Paul and Silas are singing. Their reaction is simply of what they are. They are not full of themselves. They are full of the Spirit of God. 
So do they have problems? Yes. Is the back hurting? Yes. Is the legs hurting? Yes. Do they know where they are going? No. But are they singing? Yes. Why? Because that's why they are. They are not full of themselves. They are full of the spirit. Making melody in your heart to the joy. Because this is all got to do with being. And you cannot blame somebody else for your reaction. You can react, but after that, you re, what you call the default setting. What is your default setting? A believer's default setting is the Holy Spirit, and not his old man. A default setting is the Holy Spirit. Once you are born again, your default setting is you are constantly watchful to be that you are filled and staying that way. And you will realize in spite of all your problems, it troubles you for a little while, and then you pray, and after that, the songs are back. You are making melody in your heart. There is something in your heart. That you do not allow anybody, anything to take over. Because that's what. Giving thanks always for all things to God. And the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21. It's all got to do. To do with the Holy Spirit. Yesterday we looked at this. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. The fear of God is always there in your heart. And therefore, how you deal with others, that controls it. Everybody wants to look at verse 22. But verse 22 doesn't come before 21. This is the protection. See, 22 onwards, everything is written for only people who work on 21. And 21 can only happen only when 18 happens. That is why numbers have logic and order. 518 comes before 521. When you have 518, there is 521. How you deal with the other person. So there is a fear of God. So, it was a cop-out for Abraham saying that, oh, I thought there was no fear of God. But what about your fear of God? You're blaming it on somebody else. But you also did not have any fear of God. You only had fear of man. You didn't have fear of God. No. We need to realize, this is how the Spirit of God leads individuals in the book of Acts. This is how the church was. Submitting to one another in what? Fear of God. When the fear of God comes, there is protection. It is protection. When you submit to one another without the fear of God, there is danger. There is danger. Then it becomes slavery. And you can get nasty and walk out of the church. or The pastor can get nasty and all. Because there is no fear of God. But where there is fear of God, there is always safety. There is order and there is safety. And this is all the invoking of the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of God who does it. That is why we always talk about, don't worry about doing things. Just do what you have been told to do and just stay with that. Don't worry about increase and all that stuff and all. Don't worry. Think about it. Now this is, today is what day? 21st, okay, right? So it is 51, 62 days, right? 62 days. Think about it. 62 days earlier, when we preached live, we had maybe 100, 120 people, 150 maximum. That was extreme. 120. Right? Now, in this situation, we have almost 5,000 people listening to us live in different formats. So, God says, it's not about your work. Don't worry about your work. We always think, I have to reach the world, I have to divine. God says, sit down. Can you be something first? No? Can you be something first? Because I had to teach my disciples something. He said, 
When I was with them, I said, did you lack anything? No. Anything? No. Okay. Now he says, you know what's going to happen? Gather a couple of swords and with you. You will need it, not for me, for your sake. Don't use it for me. That's a stupid thing, foolish thing that uh, Peter did. That is not for them, for me. I am a father and angels and all. This is for you. For three days you need a sword. If somebody tries to kill you in between, protect yourself. After that, I'll be back. You don't need a sword after that. But I'm showing you when I was with you, you could do nothing without me. And I will tell you after my spirit comes, you still can do nothing without him. Don't try to do anything without him. It's a waste of time, energy, resources. Absolute total waste of energy and politics and resources. He says, it's my spirit. It is my spirit who will do. And this is the fundamental picture we are forgetting that God's order always is not in struggles. It's in yielding. It's in yielding. And he says, guard everything in your life to see that you don't grieve my spirit. And one of the lessons he shows in the Old covenant is when Elijah cuts and runs and everything. He kind, gentle to his servant, feeds him twice. Then says, walk. And when he reaches the cave and his God comes in, like there are certain many manifestations of thunder, I mean, wind and cyclone and fire and all those things. And God was not in any one of them. So he says, don't confuse my power with my presence. That's what he's telling them. You look at all these TV shows and you see all these things. Don't confuse my power with my presence. That was my power. That's, that doesn't mean I am there. The Bible says in very clearly, God was not in them. This is, I want you to learn something, Elijah, and through you I want everybody to learn. That is power that doesn't mean my presence is there. And then he heard a quiet whisper. Small, still voice. And that was God's presence. And God is telling his children, be very, very careful about that still voice of my spirit. Be very, very careful. That's what you need. That's what will lead you. That will guide you. And you need to be still to be able to hear it. Right? Now when we put all the fans and everything is off, we can even hear the humming of the AC. But if the fans are on, we can't hear the humming of the AC. Right? So when we are still, like now what has happened during this lockdown is that we discovered many sounds in the city. Birds, no no vehicles at all, no trains, no planes, no vehicles. And people discovered many new sounds, which were always there. It wasn't that these sounds were in there, these sounds were there. But because there was so much noise around, that noise drowned these voices. And God says, the first thing is, be still. You need to hear the voice of my spirit. He doesn't shout. He doesn't scream. The only way you can hear him is being still. When God says, be still and know that I am God, how do I know that he is God when I am still? Because he says, you will hear my voice. That's what he was telling Elijah. Why did you run? You read Jezreel. Why didn't you listen to my voice? You listened to Jezebel's voice and ran. Why didn't you listen to my voice? You got caught with the thunder and the lightning and the rain and the wind and the everything. You forgot to listen. I had something to tell you then. Now you know what? So many years are going to go out of the lives of my people. Because you didn't listen. You didn't listen. 
And so many years we waste in life simply because we didn't listen. We didn't listen. It's as simple as that. One of the main things I have learned in life of this is, no? A lot of activity is not equal to the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit tells you something and you go ahead and do it, the result that comes out is unbelievable. Like, let me tell you very clearly. We started speaking these sessions three days before the actual lockdown started. Do you know? Lockdown hadn't started. Madhuri hadn't even said. He was talking about Monday or Tuesday or something. We started on a Saturday night, three days before this. Because this had nothing to do with the government. Everybody started after the lockdown. We started before the lockdown continues. Because this had nothing to do with the government. It had nothing to do with the government. And the results that are coming is also therefore nothing to do with us. It's got to do with him. It's got to do with him. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. You know? And in life we need to realize that when you hear, when you hear, it is very, I remember 20 years ago, like, you know, when I had to go, I heard. Very clearly I heard. I need to go. This is a nation. They have nobody to teach. And God was telling me, you go teach. And when I'm to go to teach, the fact is that I have to teach the church. But I cannot stay because you get only a visa for 7 days, 12 days, maximum 30 days, not more than that. But this is going about to stay there. And what happens is that I just had left an application there. The application was submitted to this college. And they call me without even seeing me. When I am back home, in my home, the call is coming from the principal of the institute. Every two days he calls me and says, Mr. James, when are you coming? Mr. James, when are you coming? I said, sir, I cannot come. I cannot come. Mr. James, I said, no, I cannot come because my children are there. They are small and I cannot come because I can't leave them alone. The mother goes to work, comes back early in the evening. I cannot leave them. These babies are there. They are small and uh, the kids are, I literally brought them up because I go to work early in the evening. I cannot come. I said, the only one with whom they will stay is a maid, which they knew sometime back. And that maid is in the other end of the world, India, in Assam. And she told it very clearly, Dada, I cannot come. It's too far. Too far. I cannot leave my family, village, everything, and cannot come. So I said, sir, he couldn't understand. I said, sir, I cannot come now because uh, if my maid comes, I will come. And he couldn't understand what kind of a stupid logic is this. If maid comes, I will come. Okay. Then one day, suddenly the maid appears. All the way from there. Who does she come with? With the brother who used to translate for me in that state. And he, he passed away. Years ago he passed away. You know what? He went to the village and the church leadership in that village where I had ministered in all this place gathered in her little thatched hut and said they used to call me Brother James. Brother James is in Hyderabad. He needs your service so that he can go and serve God. So you go as a servant of God to his house. And she agreed. And he brought her. And dropped her at home. And therefore I could go. You wouldn't believe that 
Or she came, I could go. When I reach over there, I have never seen the principal. Never seen him of this thing. So I reach on a Saturday when the school is closed. And uh, I go, go to the place. And uh, they said, this is the place where the principal's quarters, big bungalow and everything under. So I go, ring the bell, and he comes, and I said, sir, he said, Mr. James? I said, yes. I said, oh, please come in, please come in. You come? I said, yes, sir, I'm here. So he said, do you remember me? I said, no, sir, I don't remember. He said, I remember you. I said, how do you know me? He says, 20 years ago, when I was a trainee in the Beard College, I sat in your classroom as a student for 30 days. That's why when I saw your application, I said, I want that man. Now, God worked it out. God worked it out. Now, this, this place, this place is on the other side of the river. Well, all the ministry I have to do is on this side of the river. And those cities, transportation is all very difficult. And you don't get a house. Very difficult. Everybody shares accommodation, everything. And all the lecturers are on this side. Everybody wants you to join them because you save money. Nobody's got families. Everybody comes as uh, no, alone. And the three, four men live together. They cook together. Okay, you can save all. Everybody comes there to make money. So they're all saying, sir, sir, why don't you come? All from my own state. Most of them are from Kerala. Everybody says, sir, sir, why don't you come? Why don't you come? Why don't you come? But I said, no, I cannot come. I'm not staying. I'm going to stay only in the city. They said, city? Because they thought I'm a city man from Hyderabad, so he wants to stay in the city. I said, no, I want to stay in the city. They said, you will not get a place. I said, I'll get a place. I couldn't tell them why I could, why I will get a place. Where did my confidence come from? If he has sent me, I will get a place. If he has not sent me, I will not get a place. I heard very clearly go. So you wouldn't believe for two weeks I stayed in a small little room. It was this room above the kitchen of a person who used to drive a taxi. And was also a pastor of an underground church those days. So I stayed in his house. His wife cooked full five, six children. We were seven or eight in that house, one toilet, one bathroom. And no mirror, nothing. One little broken mirror. They don't shave, no. They don't shave. So every morning this Indian has to shave, no. In that biting this thing, I have to stand there and shave. But they were very good. They always give me first preference, you know. <laughs> first I use the bathroom, everything. The wife used to cook and feed me and everything. So I, he used to drop me in the college in his taxi and then go for his taxi drives. And evening he would pick me or I would get a taxi and come back. I stayed like that for two weeks. Then somebody in the staff room said, there is a teacher who's got a house in the city. He's from also from Kerala, but he's a troublesome fighter. So nobody will stay with him. Because he's finicky about money, he's finicky about everything, but he's looking for somebody to share. Okay. So I said, I will meet him. So I met him. And I said, he said, oh, please, please, please come share. So right in the middle of the city, I get a house. So the next day, he went to his staff room and he told in the staff room, he told in his, his institute, he told in his staff room, you know, I got uh, a, finally a tenant. Uh, no, he is um, Sir James, that's how they call me. Two, three of his colleagues said, Sir James, they said, describe him to us. No, he worked long time ago. Half his colleagues were my students. 
So they all said, oh, you want to see Sir James? Oh, Sir James has come back. Oh, Sir James has come back after so many years. You see how things are working it out. So he comes back in the evening and said, they all love you so much. They all have so much great respect for you. So he was very, very respectful with me. No discussion about rent, whatever you want to take. I'm not bothered about any of this thing. This guy had come over there. He had his family, had some issues. His wife fought with him, went back, dropped. So he's one Indian who's got a house and a gas connection. Gas connection is almost next to impossible to get in that place. He's got a gas connection. He's got a telephone. Actual telephone. You don't get a telephone there. He's got a telephone because he had come earlier. He had spent all this money to get his family. Family fought with him and went back. So he's got a gas connection. He's got a telephone. And then he started sharing his troubles. What is happening? So I started praying with him, helping him. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. So he used to cry and everything. Finally, you know, he said, my wife is filing for divorce. I need to go back. So he resigned his job and went. After what? Two weeks, three weeks after I lived with him. So now I had a house, a gas connection, and a telephone. The middle of the city. Now everybody wants to move in with me. <laughs> I said, no way. Nobody is moving with me. I am staying alone. Why? Because I have meetings every day. I have to go. I have Bible study in my house. And every what I am talking about is that there was no stress. There was no stress. There was no stress. I knew it would all fall into place. Everything would fall into place. Everything would fall. And you, you don't even fight for it. Every day people will go by, see people, lecturers going into the principal's office with one certificate. Sir, we have this certificate also, sir. One more increment, one more. They always tell me, why don't you go? Because when they look at my certificates, I was the highest qualified in the whole lot. I had cleared my net and all in 1993. So, sir, why don't you go? I said, I did not come here for money. I'm not going to go there, sit every day, sir, give me one more ringing. Who am I serving? Money or him? I don't know. I didn't come for that. Because you have to realize that is a temptation. Go fight, go fight. One more increment, one more increment. A thousand rupees more, two thousand rupees more, three thousand rupees more. Then your mind is divided. You're gone. Here you have to preach six days a week. Then on the seventh day, which is supposed to be everybody's rest, you have six services, seven services. So you see, I worked seven days a week. My day used to begin at four in the morning and finish at 11.30 in the night, every day. I'll tell you another thing. My brothers are abroad, one in both ends of the world, one in UK, one in... So whenever they used to meet, they used to dumb. And one is a clothes mule. He just buys and buys and buys. So every time he comes, he brings me like 30 shirts, 40 shirts, like that. He dumps it and goes. So what I used to do is I used to be giving it out, giving it out, out to college students and all. I used to give it out because how, many, how much can I wear? How much can a man wear? So one day God told me, stop giving out. Nothing of this had happened. None of this Bhutan thing hadn't even come. Nothing had happened. Okay. He said, stop giving it out. Keep it there. So I kept it there. And I had so many pairs of socks. These guys used to dump, dump it. I said, stop giving it there. At that time, I'm in Assam. Bhutan is there in my heart. I haven't gone into Bhutan at all. One day, a rickshaw, those days, cycle rickshaws, stops in front of my house. A man comes, a short Naga man. He looks at says, are you Pastor James? I said, yes. And he came in and hugged me and said, I am pastor so and so from Dimapur, Nagaland. Somebody told me that there is a Malayali pastor here. I came because I was mentored by 
the Malayali pastor. I haven't gone into Bhutan, okay? In Bhutan, if you go in, you will never know where a church is. You will never know anybody. Hmm? No, it's okay. okay, okay. No, anywhere. Nobody will know anywhere. Okay, yeah. I need to be wise. Hmm. This man, and I stand, we shared everything. He had lunch with me. And while he was praying, he said, you know, he said, he started praying over me. And he said, as he started praying, he prophesied over me. And he said, I see you in Thimbu. I see you in Thimbu. I see you preaching there. Then he took a piece of paper and he wrote out for me in a piece of paper the names of every pastor in that city and gave it to me. Before I had even entered the land, I knew the names of every pastor. And then he left. I never saw him again. And exactly a year and a half later, I was in that city and I didn't know any pastor, but I had their names. And every name was right. Now you need to ask, do you believe this God is real? You believe the Holy Spirit is real? Okay. Our confidence comes from this person. It is a person God has assigned. And that person is what we have to be very, very careful about. And once your work is over, you leave. I'll leave it at and go. You are never worried about, oh, where is the increase? That's none of your job. Our job is to do what he tells you and leave. When he moves you, you move. If you don't have any boy plants, Apollos, waters, God gives the increase. Increase in his, when he will give the increase, we don't even know. Every plant doesn't bear fruit at that point, at a particular season. Yeah, everything has its own timing. But the important part is not the work. The important part is in hearing. And then the work has to be according to hearing. According to hearing. And that's the way it has been. So when people shout and scream and all, you should never get upset because the only thing that matters is have you heard or not. If you haven't heard, then you get upset because you're questioning your ministry. If you have heard, it doesn't matter. They don't know what you know. So they all want to ask, who sent you? Where did you get your authority from? This is not bothered. It's not bothered. And this person is what we are neglecting. We are neglecting. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 2, this is what the Bible says. By this you know. By this you know. Who? Who do you know? The Spirit of God. By this you know. The Spirit of God. Why? Because every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Meaning, he led the same life. And if he could lead the same life and overcome, you too can. How did he overcome? One simple thing. He heard. That was the key. He heard and he obeyed. And the power was given to obey. Technically speaking, it is all done by the Spirit of God. You hear. You obey, and he empowers you to obey. By this you know the Spirit of God. This is how you know the Spirit of God. The minute they tell you God understands, and it is not possible, you're already off track. Then there is nothing, you're not in the race anymore. You're not in the race anymore. And this is where all our, all our, what do you say, our struggle comes from. 
And that's why God says, there is a righteousness that is from God, apart from the works of the law. There's a righteousness. The just shall live by faith. And the key part of faith is, faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the, yes, we study the word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God. Why? To be very sure, it's the Spirit who is speaking. That's all. The word of God written in the tablets of your heart by the Spirit of God. It is there inside. But the Spirit of God. You see, when Rebecca uh, went from Haran to the promised land, she didn't know Abraham. She didn't know Abraham. She didn't know Isaac. All she had was a guide. All she had was a guide. And she had to trust him. And obey him. And follow his instructions. To see that she reached the right place. And to the right person. Okay, That's what Abraham said. Don't pick a girl from here. You know why? Because I know what is inside. Go back to my father's house. They all believed. They didn't want separation. So any girl who is born in that house will have something inside. Which corresponds to my son. They got inside what correspondence to my family. They have the understanding of God in their heart. You can lead that girl. Everything was simply based on believing a person. A person. That's why in that portion, even the name of Eliezer is not mentioned. We presume it is Eliezer. But the name is not mentioned. Why? Because the Holy Spirit never promotes himself. He promotes Jesus. He, what does the Holy Eliezer call Abraham? My master. What does he call Isaac? My master. My master. Okay. And that's how we have to look at life. And our entire teachings, morning and evening, is basically to bring us to the person of the Holy Spirit. And once you have known him and learned to walk with him, all fear is gone. That's what Jesus is addressing. Don't be afraid. I know you're scared. But it's good for you that I go. If I go, I will send somebody just like me. Just like me. And unlike me, better than me. Why? He will never leave you. Me, I come in the flesh. So I have to leave you. But he will never leave you. He'll be with you. He will be in you. And he'll be in you what? Forever. They didn't understand it. But when they understood it, Paul will say, I don't want to know Jesus in the flesh. Not even Jesus in the flesh. Now we do not consider any man in this manner. Not even Jesus Christ in this flesh. No, can I have that as we close? It is two things. One about every man and two about Jesus Christ. Got it? Isn't first um, five seven seventeen that one over there? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, sixteen and because seventeen is a man is say. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know Him thus no longer. What is he talking about? He's basically saying that. 
I don't want to know anybody in the flesh. What you are in the spirit is a real person. If you don't have the spirit of God with you, I don't have anything to do with you. No? What happens in the church today? Everybody looks okay. Telugu, Telugu, Mallu, Mallu. Paul is not like that, man. He says, let me look. Do you have the spirit? We are able to communicate. If you don't have the spirit, doesn't matter how much knowledge of the word of God you have, you are a Pharisee. I don't want anything to do with you. I'll keep distance with you. The only people I want to know is those who are in the spirit. And even if you are small in the spirit, it's still possible I can fellowship with you. Because the spirit in you and the spirit in me is the same. It's the same. Not even Jesus I want to know in the spirit. So you will always see, and I always know, with some people, what do you talk? How is your father? How is your mother? What is the weather? Beyond that, I have nothing to talk to you. Because one look at you, two words from you, I know there's my spirit there. It's nothing to speak. Nothing to speak. No, nothing to speak. For if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Who makes everything new? The Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God. So, okay. We will continue looking at the Spirit of God. How He teaches us and how He... That's, he's the only one who can take the fear away. Because the whole world is like crippled by fear. By fear. How does your fear go? The problem is when the world, church is full of fear, the Christians are full of fear, all the dreamers and the visionaries and the prophets come into picture. And everybody, oh, the problem is, you read the new covenant all the way till Revelation 22. It is actually the work of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is there, how many prophecies do you need? How many visions do you need? How many dreams do you need? How many angelic interventions do you need? That's what everything you see on YouTube. You know why? For the people who are watching do not have the Spirit. They have not allowed the Spirit to lead them if they have. 33 and a half years of Jesus' life on earth, two angelic interventions. One after 40 days he fasted. One over the devil, angels came, ministered to him. Second time in the Garden of Gethsemane. Entire life was led by the Spirit. There was no need for an angelic intervention. It was only for a physical need, an angelic intervention. Philip, an angel, spoke to him. The next thing is the Holy Spirit. When he is in the midst of all the unbelievers in the sea, because they wouldn't understand about the Holy Spirit, the angel came to him and told him, and he says, an angel stood before that language the unbeliever understands. It was for the unbeliever, not for Paul. You know how people get completely this thing, fooled? Completely fooled. Saul of Tarsus, one time on the road to Damascus, he sees a voice and light, Jesus speaking. After that, Jesus does not speak to him. It's the Holy Spirit. Today, people say, Jesus appeared before me. The Father appeared before me. All kind of, you know, fool tens and thousands of people because they don't understand scripture and it is the Spirit of God who leads you. How people, you do not know how many tens and millions are getting deceived. Christians are getting deceived at a time. You know why? Because you did not give the third person the rightful place in your life. 
when the Holy Spirit is there, you will realize we need one another as a body of Christ, but the other works are all very, very, very limited. Very, very limited. And even the Word of God is completely different. How you read it, how you understand it, how it speaks to you, it's completely different because it is life. And that's what Jesus was talking about. My words are spirit and life. Was it to them? No. It was not to them. It became spirit and life to them after he rose and after he breathed and after the spirit came upon them, the word became spirit and life. And look at the simple Peter standing there on the day of Pentecost, speaking from the book of Joel and from this psalm and that psalm. What is happening? It's taken the Old Testament. It has become life all through the Holy Spirit. It's become life. Stephen is able to stand before their Sanhedrin and he's taking the entire old covenant and making it life for them. And they didn't like it. And this is what the Bible is talking about. Where is the Holy Spirit in our life? Bring him back. Give him that preeminent. When you say we give Christ preeminence in all things, is allowing the Holy Spirit to have preeminence. Allow ourselves to be led by him. And once you know he has spoken, and you are confirmed about it. There is no fear. Once he has spoken, he will bring it to pass. You don't have to worry. He will bring it to pass. You don't have to fear. Because why I am saying is that people are crippled by fear. People are, doesn't matter how much people listen, they are crippled by fear. They cannot be afraid. The spirit of fear and the spirit of God don't go together. And Paul is told, you have not been given the spirit of fear. But the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. It's the Holy Spirit who brings these things into being. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this night we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Through it all, Father, it is only your spirit, Lord. We, when, when we goofed up and we messed up and we came back to you, it is your spirit that restored us. It was the Spirit who repaired us. It was the Spirit who gave it all and put it all back together. It was only your Spirit. But we have to come back to you, Spirit of God. Humble ourselves and listen to your voice. Because the letter of the law kills. And we are not ministers of the letter. We are ministers of the Spirit. For the Spirit gives life. I pray, Father, today, your life, your children will receive, wherever they are. They are in the sick bed, whether they are on the ventilator, or whether they are standing strong. Life comes from your spirit. And I pray they will hear the voice of your spirit and receive what your spirit says, and it will become life for them. I pray for open ears. Open hearts. They will allow the Spirit of God to reconcile them with God and with one another in their homes. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of reconciliation, the Spirit of peace, the Spirit of fellowship, the Spirit of love. Because there's only one true unity in the body. It is the unity of the Spirit in peace. And I pray, Lord, as this lockdown continues, that unity will happen in homes. The church is anyway separated. 
because of restriction. But homes are not. Families are not. Individuals are not. I pray the Spirit of God will bring that unity and that bond of peace in lives and in homes. And whenever you divinely decide the church can gather again, it will be unified people who will come through the and by the Spirit. To that end, Father, I come into your church. Touch your people. Heal your people. Strengthen your people. Yes, it is famine. Yes, it is wilderness. But it is also the time of harvest. We believe. We believe, Lord, the time of harvest. Like Isaac, we will sow our seed by faith. The Lord will bring forth the increase. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.